Welcome to the Up The Cream podcast, episode 27. I'm Dan Tomlinson. I'm joined, as always, by Rich Harrison, a.k.a. Pommy Rich. How are you doing, pal? I'm well, mate. And you? Yeah, I'm not so bad, thanks. Uh, yeah, just, yeah what, a, what, a, what another weekend watching LFC on, on Saturday afternoon as Wigan beat us 10-0. I mean, I don't think I've ever been so bored watching rugby. It was it was horrendous. And to be honest, it was just a massive sense of relief when the full-time whistle came. And, and how sad is that to say? You know, when you're going to watch your beloved on a Saturday afternoon game as well, which is a prime spot as far as I'm concerned, and, and the product was just absolutely dreadful. I mean, Wigan were nearly as bad. Yeah. First time in living memory, I can honestly say I'm, I'm glad that a whole game wasn't on Sky. <laughs> because, you know, win, lose or draw, I like to watch this, but I was I was quite pleased that that wasn't on. Cause, and I think that's that's exactly right. I think we are just, just like you said, it's that sense of relief. I think there'll be a sense of relief when the season's over season that promised quite a lot at the start and, and has just petered off to nothing, you know. And that's the frustrating part of it and it's it's sort of easy to forget that where you just said there, the season that started with so much promise, it did. It did, but it's a lifetime ago now, isn't it? I mean, eight defeats out of nine, that could be nine out of ten if all, you know, go to Wakefield on Friday and get beat. That's just not good enough. It's not. It's not. Um, you know, I mean, we've, we've, me and you have probably been chief doom and gloom as well, you know, We've we've been quite vocal in in our feelings and and you know even going so far as to going through the the club player by player and saying you know playing snog marry avoid kind of thing with it. you know would we keep them or wouldn't we but at the, at the end of the day just to, to to be a little bit positive you've got to say we're still we've had a crappy season with COVID we've had players with COVID we've had to have games called off. Um, we've had our marquee player often on the the bench because he's been injured. You know, probably one of the best centres in the business in in Griffin out for long periods of the season. Connor out for periods of the season. It, it's not been ideal, but the, the the mark of a team is how they deal with adversity. And at the start of the season, we were dealing with adversity. Now we're not. That's the nail on the head because the thing that got me most at the start of the season was the fight. And like you'll see, it won't always pretty, but as long as you get the, the grit, determination, the effort level, the energy, the intensity, but most importantly, that fight, I can live with that because even when we got beat, we went down fighting. It's all it's pride, isn't it? Yeah, it is, mate. And the danger is, mate, is that you know the last four or five weeks we we've, we've done the same podcast. You know, and I, I don't want to do the same podcast again. I don't want to say we've died a death at the end of the season. I don't want to say it was great. Where's our fight gone? Because it's gone. Um, and, and, you know, um, at the moment, we're seeing a symptom of a disease. Mm. You know, we're seeing we're seeing a lack of, you know, I mean, to hold Wigan to 10 points normally, you'd go, well, you know, OK, we didn't show any, any attacking guile at all. But, you know, to hold Wigan to 10 points any other season, you'd go, well, we've had a dig there. But this season, you look at it and go, well, you know, we're going to finish fourth. Or fifth, and I don't think I've heard any Wigan supporter this year praise them. You know, Rovers have done the double over them for God's sake, and Rovers are no great shakes, right? There's no, there's no fantastic Wigan team this year, and their supporters are gutted that they've finished third, fourth, fifth, whatever they're going to finish. You know, it just shows you. I mean. And I've said this before, mate, and we've said this earlier in the season. 
Wigan won't hold a you know a, a get together and a, and a flying pl- players, ex players from all over the the globe for a losing Challenge Cup final side like we will for the eighty five guys. Now, yeah, it was a great final, probably the best ever played at Wembley until we won in uh, sixteen seventeen anyway. But we laud the players from that era, even though we didn't win that game. And we fly from all over the world to get together and go, look, the club is fantastic. Look, we're a family and all the rest of it. And that's why we're small time. If I can, if I can point to one thing, it's, it's that, that glorification of losing has, has held us back for years and years and years. Oh, we didn't win, but God, we had a go. No, not good enough. Not good enough. Beretta Farima at the weekend. What's he ever won with us? Nothing. Yeah, he's been a good import. He's not been a great import. He's been a good import. He's been dropped for form. He's been in and out of the team. He's not a great import. They chaired him off the field, Dan. Shoulder high. What's he done? Has he ever won silverware for us? No. Has he ever made a dream team? No. Has he ever been the league's top scorer? No. He's had four seasons for us and they chaired him off the bloody pitch because he's leaving at the end of the year. Sorry, mate. It's not good enough. And until we get away from crap like that, we will never be a Wigan or a St. Helens. We need to be ruthless. You know? Pearson's apparent message in his, in his um, programme notes, which I haven't read in full, but if he comes out again and promises all of this, we're going to get rid of the dead wood and we're going to do this and there's going to be changes and all the rest of it, and then still does nothing, well, that's it. You can't do that twice. Because you did it last time, and we all fell for it. Nothing changed. Yep. And honestly, the, you know, it's his last opportunity to say anything this year, direct to the fans, because that's the last home game. Now the cynic in me looks at that and goes, "Is he just saying that so people still buy a season ticket? Is he still saying that so people will still buy their kids a share at Christmas, and we still get cash flow coming through?" And you know, I'm, I'm, I know that's cynical. But, you know, what is it? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. Well, you've said it once, mate, and nothing changed. You need to back this up with action now. Absolutely. I can make it the absolute sorry, nail. That was a rant. That was, sorry, a... that was a rant, and I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that was <laughs> nail and head. That is it to a capital T. And you know what? You, you're right about Brett Fremo. A, a good player, not a great player. A player that's done... Reasonably well in his four years here, but he's not someone who look back as a whole FC legend, is he? I mean, I saw there was a, the photograph of Dave Lost, Dave uh, Losthouse put pictures of the incident you just mentioned of, of them chaining him off the pitch, and someone quoted saying, "Legend, what? Legend? Behave? What? No, he's not. No, it's, he's not. It's ridiculous. That's the mentality we have. No, he's not. And I tell you what, right? We mentioned it at the time, but the club's hierarchy. All right, uh, never mind the club's hierarchy. James Clark has been getting loads of stick. Gets called the DJ, absolutely loads of stick for what the squad, the position the, the squad finds itself in right now, right? You look at the quarter spot that Britta Fremo had, obviously it's the right decision because unfortunately, whether we like it or not, my Fremo was contracted till the end of 2022. So Fremo had to go to quarter spot. You cannot have two quarter spots on two wingers. So what's he done? He's gone out and found a winger along with Brett Hodgson. But not only just a winger, the type of winger that Hodgson wants, which and he's, it's yeah. fast, he's rapid, makes a break next year, he'll be gone. Obviously, Dino McIntosh. Obviously, homegrown. Probably the young. best young 
British winger in the game. That's that's a fair shout. That is a fair that shout. We cannot fault that as a piece of, re- of recruitment. That is a brilliant piece of recruitment. The problem is we need half a dozen more brilliant pieces of recruitment yeah. like that. But to be fair to the bloke, I say he gets a lot of stick. Some of it I think isn't just the facts. I think a lot of it comes from above in Adam Pearson. Yep. But yeah, you you you, you give credit where it's due there. And also the the people that he's re-signed this year, obviously Jake Connor, yeah, fantastic. Uh Chris Satite, yeah, brilliant, fantastic. Swift. Adam Swift, yeah, yep. fantastic. Joe Cater, yeah, another two years of him. And to be honest, Fash is a squad player, not someone who's playing every single game barring one, but someone who can come in and do a job, yeah, I'm okay with that yep. because you understand how a cap works and you're not going to get yep. a squad of 25 superstars, are you? We need them. Yeah, we do. It's, it's a good piece of retention, that, so I was happy with that. But, yeah, the Fremo thing, it is the right decision. And for people to be whinging, I sort of get why, why, where, they're, where they're coming from because, obviously, you know, given the choice of Fremo and Fenua, you'd pick Fremo every day of the week. But to... Let me clarify what you've said, mate. It's the wrong decision, but for the right for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's nearly on the We, pr- we yeah, would much yeah. prefer that Fenua went, but yeah. we can't. Yeah, exactly. So the, you know? basically, the club have made the best of the situation of the the yeah. terrible hand that they've made. You know, they made that mess themselves. But, they've dealt themselves. Yeah. But they've rectified it the best they can at the moment. So, but yeah, that that rant was absolutely brilliant because it's right the mentality that we have. We're churning people off the pitch. Yeah, he might might be a nice guy in the wrong mates, and obviously, I noticed all the Polynesians all had the pitch taken together again, and the other team yeah, photo yeah. as well. And but, but yeah, to churn them off the pitch. Really, at least they actually waited until all the fans had gone before they did it, because I reckon that would have uh, been met with uh, some interesting responses if there were still some people in that East Stand in particular, because I tell you what, the people I was sat with were not happy. No. You, you, you lose 10-0 at home to a team that aren't world-beaters and you're cheering people off the pitch. Piss off. Yeah. Sorry, that's not good enough. No, it's not. It's not good enough. It really isn't. And that is about mentality. And that doesn't just come from this year. That doesn't come from Hodgson. That doesn't come from Reynolds. That doesn't come from Sneed. It doesn't come from Connor. That comes from years and years and years and years of ingrained and entrenched behaviour. Near enough's good enough. Yeah. A bit of silverware every 10 years is all right. We'll never be a Wigan or a Saints or a, or a Leeds or, a, or whoever we want, to, we want to point out and look at until we change that. And, you know, Hodgson is a good coach and and he seemed at the start of the year to have started to instill stuff into us about belief and about defence and about working for your mate and all the rest of it. Now, is it that some of our senior players just haven't bought in? You know, that just haven't bought into it? You know, we all saw that the the report in the in the mail, and again, 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 again. If I'm being cynical, you know, we we lose, we we drop below Rovers, and all of a sudden we're linked with CSA or Tokyo for next year, for a year after next. You know, and you know, you look at it and go, is that just to get people interested? But if that's the truth, and we are looking at him, well, I reckon that's the writing on the wall for Snead, because Takiyaho is an 80 minute forward who kicks goals. Is that then us looking at it going, we're going in a different direction, we'll be looking for a halfback as well, and Snead's gone? Because he's out of contract at the end of next year. Or, like you'll say, is it just the club saying to the local media, yeah. I'll just put something out for us, will you? Need to keep people interested, yeah. we've got renewal totally. time, so the cynic in me thinks Possibly. it's the latter. Yeah, well, the cynic in me thinks the same. But, you know, you look at it, and, and you know, like you say, it's the hope that kills you. And, you know, anything that comes out of 
anything that comes out a hole being a goldfish ball is analysed and counter-analysed and counter-counter-analysed and then run through by a hundred different minds and then spat back out on Twitter and spat back into the, you know, it all kind of circles and circles and circles. But the first thing I thought with that was, oh, Takiyaho, yeah, good forward, good hard-running forward, good good second draw, good wide-running second draw. Yeah, nice, wow, he's a goal kicker. First thing I thought, you know, so I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a shot across the bows for our current squad. Maybe it's someone saying, "Well, you know, if you're not going to you're not going to perform, we'll find somebody that does." So I don't know. But at the end of the day, if Pearson has said all of this and doesn't come out and make changes, well, then I reckon that's it as far as people ever uh, him ever regaining the fans' trust. Yeah. So this is the thing. If he comes out and does it, if he comes out and does it, well, fair play to him. Because he's put his money where his mouth is. Because this will cost him money. If you've got players that are in contract and you're trying to get rid of them, you've got to either get another club to take them on or you've got to release them and pay them out. Or you've got to find a reason to sack them for gross misconduct. Mm. Which, if rumours can be believed, there's maybe a couple that, that might actually fall under that category at the moment. And I don't want to go any further than that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. that's, 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 a, that's an option. If, if you can make it stick because if you sack someone for gross misconduct and then they take you for wrongful dismissal it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more in the long run and that's happened to times yeah yeah absolutely and god it's, it's an absolutely rancid situation that we find ourselves in right now and mm. And, and you're actually the nail on the head with the Adam Pearson because obviously 2018 he came out and said all this crap after we got beat at Warrington oh I'm going to I'll rip contracts up if you don't want to be here oh, I'll pay for your taxi if you're not good enough you're gone. Nothing happened. You know, we got rid of, what, a couple of young players and signed basically crap for who, 2019. Yeah, who weren't the problem? No, exactly. <laughs> you know, we got rid of players that weren't the problem. Yeah, people like, but obviously... We're probably, we're, we're probably a different problem for Pearson because two or three of those players' salaries would have probably made one average player's salary that you could maybe bring in. So they became the problem for him, or he manufactured them to be the problem for him, you know? But, Rather than them actually being the issue. And ironically, one of those players was Jordan Abdul. Yeah. Take him right now, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely we would. You think the year after we let we let go another good young whole player in Jez Lytton? Wouldn't mind yeah. him in that 17 right now right either. Back. Goes right back. You know, Reese Lynn should never have been let go. Yeah, that's a fair shout. You know, should never let Reese Lynn go, ever. Yeah. But he didn't get his opportunities, did he? Played what handful of games yeah. in his first year, two thousand and ten. Then yeah. what a game in two thousand eleven, a game in two thousand and twelve. What's that for junior development? That's a load of crap. Yeah, yeah. Never let us down, mate. Never let us down. We've got to get that right, you know. And we we've banged that drum all the time about junior development, but we've got to start yeah. preparing our squad to be you know the nucleus of that squad to be junior developers because you only have to go back 20 years Super League started 22 years whatever 1996 and every side that's won Super League has had a nucleus a core nucleus of homegrown players that have led that side and they've not just led that yeah. side they've also been some of the best players in that side as well yeah. and we've got to we've got to we've got to get that right it's so important and it winds me up that we don't give chances to players but look, look the best thing about LFC in recent weeks and, and, and I don't know you know Truth be told, they haven't been much to shout about. But the performances of Cam Scott and Conor Wynn in particular have been like literally yes. the only thing we've had to shout about. But they, they hardly get any minutes. Conor, Conor yeah. Wynn only get, he got the minutes on Saturday. That was only because Maya Fnua went off injured. Otherwise, he probably would have got yeah. 10 minutes at the end, like he did at Magic. And it, it winds me up because he, he's, he's one thing we're crying out for. He's got speed. He's good on his feet. 
but we don't give the opportunity to him. It was the same when we had Jansen Terjic a few years ago, a back rower who had a bit of finesse to his game as well. He wasn't just a boring, hard-hitting forward. You know, He had a bit, bit of flair about him as well. But we didn't give him the opportunity. He played all those games in 2017 with Brad Fast, and in 2018 he was hardly the and he was shipped out the door. I just don't get it. Yeah. You've got to give chances to young players rather than paying bloody you know, Australian imports stupid amounts of money, and they're not cutting it. It, it infuriates me. I mean, then we, then we wonder as a whole why the British game doesn't progress. Well, why doesn't it then when you're paying a stupid overrated Aussie over a young up-and-coming up player that's obviously come through your club's ranks? So you never, you never know. He might make it. He might become the next best thing, but we don't give him the opportunity. And then he gets shipped out. There's no opportunities elsewhere because the game's on its ass. And he, he goes up, end up working on a building site because he can get more money. It's ridiculous. It, it winds me up rotten. And I'll tell you what, I used to love going to watch junior rugby. I used to go to all the academy games before the City of Hull Academy crap. And I went obviously to the reserves religiously. I haven't been to one academy game this year because what's the point? You know, how many of them kids that will come and you think, oh yeah, he's a good player. He's ripping up at this level. Why ain't he getting an opportunity? It'll be released in two years. So what's the point? It infuriates me. I know, I know, I know. Uh, and, and look, I think the issue is is that it's not like, like like you said, it's not like that for every club. You know, there's a there's a conveyor belt in Wigan. There's a conveyor belt at Leeds. You know, they'll always find another another young kid that can that can do a job and, and can and can take take the mantle on and, and you know that they can pass the baton to. But with us, you know, we we just don't at the moment. I mean, and you know, we've said it time and time out. You know, we we, we get this this much vaunted new academy system, you know, with centres of excellence all around the country up and running and stuff. Fantastic. But we've got to keep people interested in the interim before that bears fruit. You know? And that's the issue that, that, that Pearson's got now. He's going to have to spend, you know, either to the salary cap or bloody close to the, the top of the salary cap every year until we start getting this conveyor if we ever get it. If it's run properly. Have we got a system? Have we got a process? Have we got an identity to make that conveyor belt a reality? I look at Wigan. They've played the same way for 10 years. Obviously, Michael Maguire bought that, all that wrestle nonsense in and that, that structure. And they haven't gone away from that. They've got an identity. Every kid that comes through that system knows the Wigan way. It's, it's, it's probably all he's ever known since he was signed up to a scholarship as a 13, 14-year-old. What's our identity? What's our way of playing? I, I couldn't answer that. That's the problem. We've got to get a system and a process in, and we've got to get get an identity as a club. And this is what winds me up now when people say, "Oh, Brett Hodgson out." You can't just go after coach after coach after coach, just shipping them out and shipping them out while you keep the same players and not realise that they're the problem. Uh, we need some long, you know, longevity in the club right now. We need Hodgson to. It's early days, but we need him to create a dynasty. We need to back him. We need whoever what the type of player he wants. We've started to do that with a winger. We've got to keep doing it. If you don't want these players re-signed, and next year's huge, which is the end of 2022, the amount of salary cap that becomes available on the market, Christ. Yes. We can sign some serious quality if we're prepared to get rid of players that are, yes, they've done some fantastic, never mind fantastic, they've done some phenomenal things in the whole FC jersey, but we're talking 2022, not 2016. We've got to be moved on, we've got to, we've got to go down a new direction and back our coach. What's the point in shipping them out and getting someone else in and then starting again? And then we'll do the same thing again in two years. And then again in two years. I just, you know, we've, we've got, like I say, we've got to have a system. We've got to have a process. We've got to back what we've got now. Obviously, in our off-field staff. I mean, we've got Gareth Ellis. 
You know, he's not mug. He's been there and done that. He's a voice people listen to. Kieran Patel's supposed to be one of the highest qualified coaches in the country. You know, we've got we've got to start creating, as I say, an identity and a system and a process where we can get these type of players through, the type of players that we want, and also through our academy, the type of player that we want. And I know obviously with the investment, it's not an overnight process, but you can go back, we said it last week when we said about the academy stuff, 20 years since we've had proper internationals that have come through. That's not good enough. No, no, and arguably, and I wrote a blog about this, but arguably that was because we had Brian Smith um, at the time completely reorganise our pathways and our juniors and, and everything and, and, and bring the club into some sort of cohesive whole rather than having... You know, one person in charge of academy. That you know, one person in charge of this, one person in charge of that. He kind of brought it all under. Everyone reported to him, and it was the first time that we'd ever had that really. Um, even under the days of bunting, that didn't really happen. And you know, it didn't bear fruit for him straight away. And there was no, you know, kids coming through that that um, Brian Smith era really. You know, maybe McNamara at the back end, and, and that was about it really that came through at the time. Uh, maybe Radford as well. But then it was. You know, a good nine years after Smith left us, mm. that all of a sudden, bang, Horn, Cook, Fletcher, King, Poucher, Parker, Yeeman, all at the same time, bang, you know, all came through at the same time. And it, it was because we had a cohesive junior, um, you know, pathway. And, and a, a, a kid could be playing for a whole boys club or for someone like that and look at it and go, I can see where I can go. You know? It, it, it just we need to get back to that we need to get back to it bloody quickly we do and this is why again the reserve league that's been reintroduced next year has got to be yeah. a proper one you know not a half-hearted attempt at a league like it was in 2019 when Hull were playing Wakefield Keithley Halifax what's the point in that with all due respect these kids need to, all these fringe players you know your younger players whatever those needing a bit of fitness they need to be challenging themselves against your Wiggins against your Warringtons your St Helens your Leedses and we've got we've got to get that right. It's so important, and that's when we'll get obviously the hopefully these quality kids coming through when they've played at that standard, and then they're better prepared for sub league and what also the challenges that come there. I mean, Adam Pearson's program comments. I got him sat in front of me now, stood by the program every time like a sad little gate, seventeen hundred and strong and counting. <laughs> but he right. He, to be fair, he goes off on so many topics. He's obviously thanking the supporters, thanking all his partners, which you know you got to do that. It shows a bit of decency, but. The rant is pretty short, but it is straight to the point. It says basically, you know, Skilsis can do one. The fact remains we have not performed to the standards we expect at this club. And obviously we will make changes to rectify that. That's a big statement. If, you, if you're going to shout that out from the rooftops, you've got to back your words up of action, haven't you? Um, again, it sort of makes you think, where are those changes going to come then? Because we all know that whole FC's cap is spent right to the, right to the top. So that means that if he's going to bring new players in, then he's going to have to let some go. So who's he going to let go? What positions is he going to let go? And then what positions is he going to bring in? I mean, anyone who knows me knows my preference to you know the positions. It starts with the hooker, then it goes to the prop, then it goes to the halfback. But it'd be interesting to see what he what he views as positions that urgently need attention. What what Brett Hodgson thinks? He didn't give anything away either, did he? Hull Daily Mail again, another pointless story that doesn't tell us anything. What does Hodgson? You know. You should be demanding an answer out of him. What What do you want? What do you want? What yeah, changes do you I mean, want to look, see at LFC? We We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Obviously, we never do. Um, 
the issue as well is, I mean, I'm probably as guilty of it as anyone because I look at it from a, from an Australian slant or from from a down under slant. You know, I'll look at players that are out of contracts and I'll say to you, "Hey, what about this guy? This guy? This guy? This guy? This guy?" We should be going out and signing the best of British. You know, never mind anything over here. Yeah, we've got a quota place. Yeah, we'll probably get a prop that's ready for retirement, or we'll get a hooker that's not good enough to cut it in the NRL. That's pro- that's the reality of it, mate. Because a good player in the NRL doesn't go to the Super League unless he's he can't get another offer in the in the NRL. Yeah. The probably the exception to that at the moment is probably Manu Mau, who didn't want to play for a club a club in the NRL other than the Eels. That's oh, the only reason he's in England. Oh, like you say, and Albert Kelly, the only reason he was in England wasn't because he wasn't yeah, good enough. He'd, mess, he'd messed up. Exactly. Yeah. Bad yeah, boy off the field. There for redemption. Yeah. Right. So you look at that and you look at it and you think, well, you know, there's, there's a few players that are kicking about that might do as a job. You know, there's a couple of players there that might have something to prove, like your Dylan Nappers or your, you know, someone like that who, who might decide that they want to go to England and tear it up for a few years because they're nowhere near retirement age, nowhere near finish, but no NRL club wants to touch them with a badge pole, which is simple fact, right? And you look at it and you think, well, who in England then do we, do we go out and buy? Well, there's, there's no one really out of contracts. Most of the clubs at this point, at this point, when when Pearson has made his pronouncement, right? Mm. None of none of you can't think of any any big name players that are out of out of contracts really around the around the Super League because most clubs by this time have done their business, you know, or, or they're finalising their business. Um, so there's not a lot. So then you you've got to go out and maybe look at player swap, or you've got to go out and maybe look at buying a player and paying off his contract or, or taking over his contract or paying a transfer fee or something like that or dredging the lower leagues for somebody that might be capable of stepping up which isn't I'm sure what you thought originally when you read Pearson saying oh we're going to get better we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to do the other what option have we got at this point because there's not a lot of players that, that are that are there you literally the I wouldn't have thought no absolutely you're right you're looking at approaching a club you're also looking at picking a player, then approaching that player's club and saying, right, yeah, he's maybe contracted for a year or two, but we'll offer this amount of money. Would yeah. you accept it? That's the road that all are going to go down because most people are tied up. I know Chris Hill's future just got announced this weekend that he signed a two-year deal yeah. with Huddersfield. But that would have been sorted out months ago. That wouldn't have been sorted out last totally. week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is as well, mate, is you can't, at this point in time, you can't, um, approach the player directly or the player's agent you'd have to talk to his club first mm-hmm. you know so then you run the risk of going to Leeds and saying hey you know as an example what would it cost us to take Mikolai Olodzewski off your hands right as an example I know we won't but if we did and then Leeds going um, straight to the rugby league press and going hey get a load of this how desperate Hull are Trying to take our best player off our hands. What? He's not for sale. Hands off. Like we did when Leeds we tried to like get Connor. Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. We look like idiots. Leeds look like heroes. And the player probably thinks, oh, fantastic. Other, pe- other people are in, in you know, I, I, this great. I've got, I've got a host of clubs after me. And the player probably, you know, gets better over time thinking that he's, he's going to be worth more on the market next time as long as he ca- carries on improving. He doesn't do us any good. It does his parent club a lot of good and it does the player a lot of good. It does us no good at all. You know, so you've got to be really careful in that in that sense that you don't start throwing silly money around. And the other thing is as well, mate, once it's known that we're looking, the price goes up. Yep. 
that's simple economics, isn't it? Supply demand. Absolutely. Hull are desperate. Put 10%, 20% on this guy's price. You know, and if you're an agent, that's business. When someone comes to you and says, I'm desperate for this, you don't give them a discount. Someone comes to you and says, I'm desperate for this product. You, you, you bump the price up. Absolutely. You know? I'm a massive, I read a lot of music biographies, right? And the difference in, um, I read a book about David Bowie, right? And his first manager used to go go around and put his name around places and go, oh, look, um, you know, um, can we maybe get 20, 20 quid for, for David to play the gig, please? Or can, can we maybe get 30 quid for, for David to play the gig? He got rid of that manager and the next manager would go around and go, you're not getting him for less than 100. Oh, we can't afford it. Right, no worries, we'll find somebody that does. And they go to the next place, you can give him for 100. Right, okay. And then the first place would bring back up and go, oh, but you sold that place out, we want him now. Right, great, 120. And that's how you build it, you know? And as an agent, that's your job. And it's the same with sports agents, you've got to do that. And as soon as Pearson comes out and says, you know, it placates us as a, as a fan base, or, you know, it was designed to placate us as a fan base, but what it does to agents is go, oh, 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 here we go, Christmas. You've got a millionaire yeah. owner there who's desperate for desperate for players. Right, let's wait until he rings us. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's the way it is. It's worrying. I mean, what yeah. worries me the most, right, about all this, Adam Pearson, quote, we are already aware of our strengths and weaknesses our, and our energy and focus is on improving in those key areas which will include some changes to the playing squad. And again, that brings me back to, well, what the hell does he review as our weaknesses? Does he think Danny Alton is a strength? Because I look at some of the media last weekend and they think that Danny Alton running around like a headless chicken and making 60 tackles is a good thing. It means he's a tremendous player. Behave. And that's 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 the problem. Does Adam Pearson view it like that? He, he's, what I say, he, all, fans are the same, aren't we? We all think we have different players who we consider strengths different players that we consider weaknesses. I mean, there was someone on social media last weekend who said Carlos Tumavavi is a weakness, so there you go. You know, people have different perspectives, don't they, and different opinions. I mean, some of those enter Cloud Cuckoo Land, in my opinion, but there you go. And some people probably think my opinions enter Cloud Cuckoo Land, that's how it is. But this is what worries me. Do the club have the intellect? Do the club have the nows to realise what we actually need? Because, sorry, but anyone who watches LSC cannot tell me that we don't need a new direction in the hooking and the halfback department. I absolutely love Mark Sneed, but I tell you what, the past few weeks has exposed him massively. Yeah. Without a kicking game, he'd been nothing. And to be honest, they not even got that at the minute. I agree. I agree, man. You know, at the end of the day, we've said it a million times, our halfback's only good when he's forward pack. He's going forwards and he's, and he's protected and he has time. You know, and at the moment we're not doing that. You know, and, and I defy anyone to play well behind what he's currently been given to work with. Really? No, that, that's uh, a look, fair comment. But then, he's, and, he's, and he's out, and, and also he's out of he's out of um, he's out of form too. Yeah, that's that's fair. That is fair. But then, shouldn't a halfback be able to turn something on? You know, turn the game on its head, pull something out of nothing? When have we seen Snead do that? He's a halfback that needs all the tools there to perform. That's always been the case, though. I mean, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. With, with his boat, you look at Wembley and you think, yeah, that 40-20, that was a, a play out the back, you know, that, that arguably changed the momentum of that final. And obviously, you know, yeah. you know, we all know the history there, don't we? So, But how many other times has he done that? You look at halfbacks in the Super League era, like a Tommy Martin, a Sean Long. 
even a Danny Maguire, as much as it pains me to say it, they, they made things happen. They made breaks go on. They were they had, yeah. they had one thing that Snead had got, and that's pace. Again. They could turn again. Same with Snead. You can't just yeah. get rid of Snead and not replace him. Because what what would we do if we didn't have Snead? We'd be playing with Connor Reynolds and Jamie Shaw at the back. I mean, sorry, but Jamie Shaw at fullback in the past couple of games. It's just it's just shown that we that Connor's the fullback. It's as simple as that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, you you, you make the Maras make the Maras good, but he's he's not there yet. And he needs to go out and learn. He needs to get. He needs to be able to manage a team and boss a team around. And a halfback doesn't come of age until the 23, 24, 25. He's got plenty of time on his hands. And you know, you're saying about nurturing and everything. We need to keep him on our books, and we need to keep him engaged, and we need to keep him involved. But he needs to go out and learn, and he needs to go to a York or a Bradford or a Halifax or somewhere where he he earns that team for a full season and, and pushes them around the pitch, and he'll come back to as a better player. Yeah, I, I get that, and I agree. But again, I look at Will Price at Huddersfield looks ten times a player that Ben McNamara is right now. That might not be the case in five years' time. McNamara might, you know, Will Price might stagnate, and McNamara might grow and develop as a player and get better. But right now, it's really frustrating that kids at other clubs. I mean, look again at Huddersfield; they've got the fullback, the Ashall Bot. You know, Warrington are bringing through players, Josh Foolish. You know. It's frustrating. It really is. We we can do it obviously time and time. Leeds have got young kids coming through. Harry Newman's a superstar. It, what are we yeah. bringing through? What our kids that come through? I mean, Cam Scott's took, you know, a couple, well, three seasons playing what yeah. half a dozen games a season. If that, obviously, spelling the reserves. He's obviously come in this year and played a lot of games, sixteen, seventeen, and it's only now that he's looking and showing glimpses that he's actually potentially a long-term Super League player. Why why don't our kids do this straight away? This is what frustrates me. You, you see clubs do it across the board. They come in and they think, bloody hell, this kid's shit hot. When's the last time we truly thought that about a whole FC player? I mean, I used to watch kids in the academy 
and I used to watch people like Reese Dean absolutely rip it up. I mean, 2015, he scored something like 22 tries and absolutely killed that league. But never got a chance. Why didn't he get a chance? Yeah. It, it infuriates me. And obviously, you look at his career since, what's he done? He's played for a few lower league sides. Actually dropped out the game completely at one, to- one time. But I'd say that's a reflection on the game, not the player. Because he can go and earn more in other lines of work. And that's the reality of it. Oh, I can earn 10 grand more laying bricks. Oh, I'll go do that then. I can earn 20 grand more being an electrician. Oh, goodbye, rugby league. See you later. It's a no-brainer. These kids have got families. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, mate. And, and, um, and you know, that, that, that speaks to a deeper issue, doesn't it? Which is that there's no money in the game at the moment. You know, this has not been for quite a while. So, yeah, I, I know. I, you just got to hope that, you know, if Pearson is, is true to his word and we do get rid of a few of the, of the overpaid and underperforming, which, which you'd hope that we will, um, you know, that we replace them with someone that, that's hungry and that's... Um, and that that's that buys into what the coast wants. The, co- the coach wants. I mean, that's I the key know. thing. I mean, that's the key thing, there, yeah. mate. That really is the key thing. The actual player buying into what the coach says. And I look at the players we've labelled inverted commas Hull Mafia. Are they hundred percent bought into what Bradson is trying to implement, or are they still bit gutted because the boys' club has supposedly ended and Andy last didn't get the job? It makes me wonder. It really does. And I say, how much do those, those players want to be great again? Your Danny Outlands, your Mark Sneed, your Scott Taylors. Are they prepared to embed and engage and buy into everything that Brodson is trying to implement? Because we saw it at the start of the season. There were signs in attack. Even against Rovers, we went 9, 7, 6, 1, bang. That didn't happen. You know, when's that happened over the past five years? When have we had a structure like that where our fullback can just put a chair on a plate for a winger and all he has to do is catch it and put it down? I said it before, our wingers don't get walk-ins. They do now because we've got a fullback who can play and we've got an attack that on its day can click. And if, like I say, if all those parts are on the field at the same time, they can produce something. But unfortunately, when when you see you take a Connor or you take a Reynolds out of that, it all goes to pot and we look shite again. And that's, that's so frustrating. And now there's so much reliance on that fifth tackle option that OFC have become an absolute chore to watch. It's like the five tackles before the kick are nothing and then they're just relying on the aerial ability of a Fenua. I mean, for all this criticism, he's still good under the air. You know, Farima, Adam Swift, the Carlos Tumavavia, Jake Connor, we're relying on them to pull something out the bag out the air and score a try. Is that how we're playing rugby now? It's ridiculous. You know, you, you've just said something there that that, that that while you were talking then, I, I just I, I can't get it out of my head, right? And you said about the, the boys' club and upset that Last didn't get the job. Well, well, let's look at that a little bit closer, right? If that's true, if that is true, well, then you look at it and you think, right, who's gone backwards this year? And who who isn't buying in to Hodgson? And you look at it and you go, Sneed? Yep. Taylor? Yep. Houghton? Yep. Gone backwards. 100%. Right? Who's gone forwards? Who's improved? Connor? Swift? You know? Satai? Out of sight improved. Sal? You know, you look at it and you think, well, they're the players. They're the ones that are buying in. Manu Mao as well, I'll throw in there. He's definitely improved. Mal, yeah, absolutely. He's buying in. And I tell you what, Chris Sata and Manu Mao have been improved because we use them better. We use Sata as a starter. You said at the start of the year, the power of starting a player and what that does to a player's yep. confidence, you know, mental aspects of it. Sata has been a revelation this year. Manu Mao has got better and better and better because we've used him a hell of a lot better than we did last year. So, Jake Connor. 
absolutely firing in the fullback role. Adam Swift giving his opportunity, backed by Brett Hodgson. Been brilliant this year. Absolutely such a shame that, obviously, season's ended because he bloody bent his foot of all things to do. Obviously, accidents happen. You just, you know, glad that he's okay and wish him well. See you next season. It's just obviously a shame because he's, he didn't deserve that. He deserved to go out, you know, playing some rugby and scoring a couple more tries and ending on a personal high. But you look at the players that have improved. They're the ones that have no ties to you know this this whole mafia thing this 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 boys club if you like and this extends to some of our supporters as well who will criticise Brett Hodgson who will criticise Josh Reynolds who will don't want Jake Connor at fullback and think he should be in the halves what I just, I just can't get my head around that personally and this will and, and, there, and has, has he ever performed in the halves for us now well yeah he did with Albert Kelly I'll give him his jaw there there were times yeah but we haven't but we haven't got Kelly anymore. No, exactly. He, he won't, he won't perform. Be no, exactly. He won't yeah. perform alongside Max Lee because We've said it numerous times because they're too similar. He performed with Albert yeah. Kelly because Connor is your, is your ball player and Albert Kelly's your runner. You know, it's like Batman, yeah. you know, Batman and Robin, Han Solo, Chewbacca, it just worked. But yeah, it won't work with Snead because they're actually the same type of player. Yeah, it just it winds me up rotten. And like I say, this... this 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 set of you know like I say and it extends to the fan base as well and and the core of players that we've just mentioned there. They just won't buy into anything clearly that Hudson wants and they're just living in the past and saying oh Andy Lash should have got the job. Uh, yeah, he might have been a nice guy. He's completely different to Lee Radford, but we all we all accepted at the time that we needed a change. We needed we needed a new direction and we've, if we don't in, all pull together as a playing group and as a fan base and get behind Hodgson. And give him the opportunity to actually address this mess. If Hodgson fails in two years' time, if he if he gets rid of all our problems, the seven, the nine, and your props, and, and obviously you know completely spends that cap in new areas, and then fails in two years' time, and you're thinking, okay, yeah, obviously he's not good enough. He's not he's not done the job he's been brought in to do. Obviously, he's, you know he's he's not been good enough. He's going to have to be shown the door now. But you can't say that year one when he's inherited an absolute mess. What are we going to do? Just bin him off and get a new coach? And like I say, we're back to square one again. I just, yeah. I can't get my head around that. And, and yes, he's he, he's an ex, inexperienced coach. But what did Justin Holbrook do before he came to St. Helens in two thousand and seventeen? What did Michael Maguire do at the head of two thousand and ten when he came to Wigan? Sometimes coaches make the name over here, then they go back and they become a very good NRL coach. There's nothing. If we if we cut Hodgson now, massive mistake. I agree. He, he, he's still working with another man's team. You know, he needs he needs two, three, four seasons to build the team he wants, and then judge him. And if in three or four seasons he hasn't done anything, then get rid of him. But I'm sorry, you can't now. You know, he's like you said, he's got the hangover of those players that are that just not buying into what he wants to do. Get rid. Get rid. We need to get rid. We need to be ruthless and get rid. And we need to say to him, right. You go and find the players that you need. But we're not getting rid of anyone until you find someone that's better than what we've already got. Yeah. We're not trading down. We need to trade up. And again, this is or, what you know, this is what we're Someone me. that's the equivalent but younger. Yeah. Find I, us one of them. Yeah. I I absolutely agree with you, but this is what worries me because like I say, have they got the intellect at the club and the nows to actually go out and identify what we need and bring them in? And it really does worry me. And again, how much influence does Brett Hodgson have in those decisions? We mentioned the My Hair Fenua thing. Interesting, I don't know if you saw it, but someone put on the, one of the Facebook comments on the on the link to the match reveal from the Wigan game. So now I've heard you guys talk on the podcast about Fenua, but are you absolutely 100% certain that Lee Radford said no? 
well, yeah, if I trust the people that obviously are partial to a bit of information and obviously passed it on to me, do I do I believe what they've said there? Yeah, I do, because they're very rarely wrong, to be honest. You know, they're the ones that told us that Man- Manuel Mao was 100% signing for Hull FC. They're the ones that have told us that contract renewals a million days before they get announced. Yeah, I do trust that information. And Lee Radford wasn't stupid. His record spoke for itself. He brought players into the club that no one had even heard of. Obviously, you'd oh, heard yeah. of, you you would have heard of them, obviously, in Australia. But the average person in Hull had not heard of Carlos Tumavavi before we signed him. Nowhere. I, to no. be fair, I hadn't. No. If I'm being totally 100% honest, I had not heard of Carlos Tumavavi before he signed for FC. I found I found the the, um, the blogs that I wrote immediately after we signed him, and um, to be honest, um, I probably underestimated him a little bit as well. But I'm I'm glad that I wrote what I wrote when I said you know he's a good fullback centre, he'll be good cover for us, and he's got the potential to develop into something special. And I'm really <laughs> really glad I said that, <laughs> you know. Um, because yeah, I think it's it's proved to be proved to be right. I mean, he was he was a backup fullback at uh, at Newcastle. That's what he was. He wasn't he wasn't a first grade player by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, that was that was the the genius of Radford. And and you will very rarely hear me use those two words in, in confluence again. But the genius of Radford was that he could he could find players in the Queensland Cup, in the New South Wales Cup, you know, playing playing country football somewhere that, that you could look at and go, Yep, yeah, that one. I reckon he's gonna make it. You know? He he was very, very good at that. The problem was that when he got his hands on him he couldn't really improve them. That was the problem. Um but but he could spot a player. You know, and, and I reckon there's, there's, there's a real... I mean, I know obviously he's going to be at Cass next year, but there's, there's a real opportunity for, for Lee Radford moving forward to, you know, to, to be one of those, be one of those um, guys that, that does that, you know. Because, I mean, Lee Radford working as, in junior leagues or in some sort of development role for the RFL and spotting talent coming through, if, he, if he's got the ability to spot talent like that, wow, good on him. You know, but at the end of the day... Probably the best imports we've had in the last ten years, right? You look at them. Pritchard promised a lot, didn't deliver. Manimau, off and on, you know. Um, Minicello, when we signed him, I said, "Geez, why? Why Minicello? Sick of Manu. Not household name when we signed him, you know. Look at this current this current squad. Fenua, you know, big name and everything, not really delivered. Farima, not a big name." has done all right for us. Satai and Sal. I, I defy any whole supporter when we signed Satai and Sal, looked at it and went, wow, what signings? Because no one had ever bloody heard of them. You know, that's the thing we need. To, you know, we can't get... It, it's great to sign box office players because, it, you know, it, it sells shirts and it sells, it sells um, uh, season passes and everything. But at the end of the day, the best that we've had in the last 10 years probably haven't been the signings that we've lauded and the signings that we shouted at the rooftop about. It's been the incidental ones that have actually turned out to be the, the ones that we can bank on. The ones that are hungry, Dan. Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. It's the ones that have gone under the radar, the ones that yeah. maybe haven't been trekked with as much fanfare that have come for anything. Actually, he's a really bloody good player. Carlos Tumavav is your yeah. prime example. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And Yeah, again, it's just, where do we... Where do we go from here? I mean, do we trust Adam Pearson? Is he going to back up his words with action here? Is he going to get rid of the right players? Is he going to bring the right players in? 
is he going to let Brock Hodgson have a big say in this? There are there are genuine questions that that I worry about, and I think will they will they be answered and will they be followed through with action? But the right actions, and that's where I have my doubts, and and I do worry because it will determine what direction we go in next year. Because if nothing changes, we'll be in exactly the same situation this time next year, and that is concerning. It really is. Yes, it is, but. You know, we, we've got to believe. We've got to, we've got to put our faith in our head coach because, you know, he's inherited a squad that wasn't his and by the sounds of it, we're starting to make moves to right that. And if that means that we're moving underperforming players on, well then, let's see what happens. We can, we can only wait and see. And that's the frustrating thing, is that we've got to trust the process, we've got to trust the system, and it does my head in to say it, but we have to because we have no choice. <laughs> 